Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. And uh, I'm going to do something this episode that I haven't done in a while uh, because I stopped wanting to do it. And also a lot of people are doing it and it's not funny necessarily, but we can get there. Maybe. We'll see. But uh, I want to talk a lot about the new data about COVID-19 because we're facing, it looks like, potential shutdowns because of the Omicron variant. And so I just want to talk about like what I, so (laughs) by the way, I also recognize that coming to a comedian for your data, that's a fuck up on your part. I'll make that clear. <laughs> I have a, I do have a data background, so I'm willing to talk about this a little bit, not as an expert, but uh, just like what I'm interpreting from the data. And I've made a point in my life to the detriment of some friendships and relationships. I've made a point in my life of trying to be like kind of mentally independent. I got, I did a podcast. I don't know if it was on this podcast or not, but I did a podcast with this woman named uh, Brianda Agramante, who's by the way crushing right now. On uh, she has a podcast called like Bible Stories with Brianda. She's uh, she works with this woman in New York named Wheezy, who's like a, becoming a fucking media mogul. And Brianda um, is doing great. But we the it was called uh, Intellectual Freedom was the name of the podcast. We talked a lot about that specific topic. And so to me, that's like a, a thing that I'm striving for is intellectual freedom. And part of that is I'd like to be able to talk about stuff when I believe in something, no matter how I think like uh, negatively people who are kind of politically radicalized will react to it. And I live around a lot of people who are politically radicalized. So um, I do think that reaching that like intellectual freedom will have consequences, but it is what I'm striving for. So let's start with this. Uh, I didn't have shows in Seattle this weekend, it turned out. I'm recording this on, on a very frustrated Sunday. Um, I'm not going to get into it. I'll just say this. Uh, I'm going to be, I've had these kind of circumstances in Portland and Seattle recently. And I'm working on producing some independent shows in both those cities. So if you live in those cities, um, we'll get something to you. I'll get out there. 
I'll bring some friends, some of my uh, my good comic friends and people who I'm not that good friends with, but that are good comics nonetheless. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. So uh, keep an eye out. I'll, I'll talk about it on here for sure. Um, also, Louis C.K. put out a new special, and I haven't watched it yet, so I will probably do a podcast about that. That, by the way, would be a great use of a Patreon. So... Or a, or a Substack like subscriber thing. So, yeah, maybe that'll be like a good uh, a good method of of or a good use of that. It's like those like topics, those third rail. I mean, that's it's so crazy. That's even the third rail topic. Like, but anyway, those third rail topics. Like, you know, make sure you actually like me before I <laughs> before I before I give you my most cancelable opinions. Anyway, let's talk about this uh, Omicron variant because, so I, I, I guess I'll uh, disclose that my, so my wife got, uh, um, oh my God, my wife is texting me right now. I asked her, do I have time to do a podcast? And here she is. Will you have time or are you podcasting? All right, we're back and I'm out of breath because I uh, ran up the stairs. Got to get, drink some, just coffee, uh. (laughs) I just, that's how stupid my brain is. I was like, oh, I got to drink some coffee to catch my breath because coffee gives you energy. And so does <clears throat> not being out of breath, but uh, different, different effects. Um, okay. So I will disclose, I was disclosing and then my wife uh, texted, by the way, I asked my wife, do I have time to podcast before you get home? And then uh, six minutes later, she was home. She said yes. And then six minutes later, she was home. So. Um, my, so my wife had COVID, my daughter had COVID. We talked about those things. Uh, my mom got COVID and separate from the, we had the, the whole like breakthrough infection thing at Thanksgiving that I detailed quite a bit, but, um, we hadn't seen my mom since Thanksgiving. And then she was as my wife was becoming, you know, okay to leave the house, uh, my mom, we were going to have my mom watch my daughter and go out and like, you know, experience life again. And, uh, my mom as a precautionary measure, because we've, we've, uh, taken as a family to these rapid tests for like big events and following these kind of situations. She tested, she was positive. She's, uh, as of yesterday, I will say testing negative. So we're like five days later. Um, she had, uh, some symptoms, not incredibly severe symptoms. I also think by the way, the reason I'm like hesitant to talk about this stuff is, uh, first off, it's not my business to tell other people's medical stuff. I just broke HIPAA. If you misunderstand HIPAA, That's not a COVID cough. I promise. I actually did. I test very often. It is not a COVID cough. But um, I had a friend who I will let disclose. I had a couple friends, comedian friends, test positive. And uh, so uh, first off, I'll say this. uh, Comics, I think, have a very high vaccination rate, though I think that there's probably... 
probably the most vocal people are comedians who are uh, defiantly unvaccinated. The majority of comics are vaccinated because many, I mean, probably like higher than the national average, I would guess. Probably well higher than the national average because one, I think that comedians tend to be on the liberal side of things and also many of the places where comedy scenes are big are places with true on like full on vaccine mandates to do um to do comedy which is not necessarily to do a job but comedy takes place in venues restaurants bars etc that have vaccine mandates so though we may be principled people we are also just uh hardened capitalists <laughs> And, and narcissists who need to be validated in public. So, um, a bunch of comics are getting, are getting COVID like, and it's, it's, uh, you know, an interesting thing to me was my, my wife, um, when she first tested positive, one of the first things she said was, this is so embarrassing which is, I think, like very interesting as like a reflection of what society has done about this because we've done everything. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I'm three times vaccinated, uh, all three whatever Moderna shots. My wife is Pfizer. My mom is Moderna. Uh, my mom is hopefully coming out of it. The reason, oh, the other reason is like, you don't, you know, if you go look at like, Herman Cain's timeline, he was uh, intubated, or not intubated, uh, I keep wanting to say incubated, uh, what's that shit called, where they, maybe it is intubation, where they, yeah, they get, I don't know, he was on a ventilator, so he was like in the hospital, but they were like, Herman's doing great, he, we're gonna probably come home this week, and then like three days later, he was dead, so you don't, you don't know what the, like, the outcome's gonna be, I'd like to think that my mom who's tested negative for, for now, I think three days in a row is in the clear, but it's not really my first. It's like when you're uh when you're pregnant, when your wife is pregnant, when you're a woman and you're pregnant that you don't tell people publicly until like 13 weeks, because at 13 weeks, there's been enough milestones and health thresholds crossed that the, the probability of a negative outcome are is substantially reduced. I think that the, I had an argument actually with our uh, midwife, but the, the instances of, of uh, miscarriage after 13 weeks, I think are like 2% where leading up to that, it's like, like 15% or 10% or something like much, much higher. By the way, I thought 2% still seemed pretty fucking high, <laughs> but that's because I actually understand data, I suppose. Um, so anyway, the, the people are getting COVID and it seems like this Omicron variant, let's talk about it specifically. Uh, there's, there's two things about it that have been like kind of, um, or three things I suppose that have been pretty publicly talked about. One is that it's supposedly much more transmissible, uh, 70 times. I've seen something as high as 70 times more transmissible than Delta or Alpha or whatever the other variants were named. Um, there's a Lambda out there. Uh, 
set, but you know, it's probably, that's like the, my suspicion is that probably is a little bit catastrophizing, catastrophized 70 times is pretty fucking crazy. Maybe it's, maybe it's less than that, but, uh, let's say it's 70 times more transmissible, but it's also substantially less severe. And now I don't know for sure that my wife and my, my mom got Omicron, uh, because, because we use these rapid tests, um, my, instead of like, we just basically in both cases, my wife and my mom both just acted as though they were positive. So rather than going and exposing a bunch of people at a testing site to their illness, and they both were symptomatic. So they weren't like skeptical that they were positive. They were both pretty sure that they were positive. And then rather than going in and subjecting someone who's, uh, who's positive or who's, uh, at a testing site to, um, to COVID, they just assumed they were positive quarantine for the right amount of time, etc. And so, um, you know, luckily both of them, neither one of them had, um, particularly severe side effects, uh, side effects, uh, symptoms, I should say side of the direct effects, front effects. Neither one of them had particularly severe, uh, symptoms, you know, cross your fingers, knock on wood for my mom to continue to test negative and be, uh, without symptoms. But so the other thing that they talked about with Omicron is that they're not sure how it, how protected you are with the vaccine. And so at that point, it seems, I mean, this seems to bear out in the, the results, right? Because we are seeing, Oh, I gotta, I just gotta, damn. I let a friend, he might listen to this. I'm not going to say who it is, but I let a friend take a couple of rapid tests. Um, and he is, I just got the news that he is COVID positive. Um, I'm going to pause this and send him a message. <laughs> I'll be back to talk more about how it goes around the vaccine and all that. All right. So I sent some, uh, some words of encouragement to my buddy. Uh, now, that's what you get for being my friend, by the way, if you're messaging me while I'm podcasting, which it's not like I put in my life a bunch of on-air signs up. I might just respond to, to your text message on the podcast. <laughs> uh, what an asshole. Uh, okay. So by, by the way, recording this on Sunday. So, you know, if more information comes out, maybe I won't release this or it'll be wrong or whatever, but I want to talk about the data that I've seen from the Omicron variant because it's initially alarming, but I think there's actually reason for positivity. Um, no pun intended. So the, the, the case counts in the U S I'm going to just talk about the United States, South Africa, and the United Kingdom, because they kind of represent like, I think three different, but meaningful circumstances. So South Africa in about 40 days, uh, actually, let me pull that information up too. Cause I don't, I didn't have this up initially. The Omicron variant is like the, the second South African variant we're allowed to, because South Africa's, uh, 
very white, I guess we're allowed to to call it the So right now South Africa is uh hang on another text. Okay. South Africa is night uh, the new cases in South Africa are 98% the Omicron variant in the United Kingdom. They are 3.8%. And in the United States, they're 1.15%. That is as of December 13th. I'm recording this on December 19th. This number, the data that I'm using is ourworldindata.org. By the way, if you're interested in looking at COVID data, these are the places that I've found most useful since this all started. Um, and there's there's some other ones too, but the ones that I've used the most are the most like easy to look at, top level view of all the data, in my opinion, is at worldometer.com. Um, no, worldometers.info. Worldometers.info. There's also, there was a website called covidtracking.com that maybe is gone now. The COVID tracking project, it's it got bought or taken over by the Atlantic, but they stopped collecting new data on March 7th, 2021. So I used to do this to like, I used to bring the information down into like a data set and kind of manipulate it from there. Uh... That's not available anymore. So our world in data, I think, does a good job of like giving a bunch of different looks at data, incredible visualization, a bunch of different information. So if you're like, well, what's this? What's this? What's this? You can go through their options on their, um, what do they call this thing? The data explorer, the coronavirus data explorer at ourworldindata.org. So in a matter of from... Uh, in, on November 1st, Omicron represented at least 0.5% of cases in South Africa. There's actually 3.9% that are others or undocumented or whatever, and it was 95, almost 96% Delta at that time. Um, now, November 15th, they were up to 21% Omicron. There was some Epsilon which I don't, I think I skipped, or no, wait, no, wait, no, never mind. It's beta. There was some beta. Yeah, I bet there was some beta. Uh, 21%. So what, where do we get to from November 1st to 15th? We went from 0.5 to 21%. November 29th, so we're 28 days later, four weeks later, it was up to 82% of the new cases. December 13th, 98%. So we don't have data after December 13th, but you can see how it can like, in a matter of two weeks, it can really shift hard. And we're starting to see like, I think we're seeing this, it's observable in the United States, that there's like, more new cases, obviously. And so to, to kind of support that, this is going to be a data heavy podcast, by the way, if you hate this, uh, sorry. So November 10th, in the United Kingdom, there were uh, 492 cases per million people. And as of today, there are, where are you at? Well, let's, I'm not going to be able to get to today because the stupid visualization, but 917 as of December 16th, South Africa, 
uh, on November 1st, the day we talked about, they had 5.82 cases per million people. And now, December 16th, they are up to 386 cases per million people. Now, the problem with cases is, is a statistic, and we're talking about this also related to shutdowns, but the problem with cases is it's a function of testing. So if you don't test, uh, you don't get as many cases. Donald Trump gave a very shitty version of this information uh, at some point in his presidency that like, oh, we should just start testing less because the case counts are so high because this these cases are leading to testing. And that is like, that is a uh, cause versus effect argument that I think he was on to something, but using it for personal benefit and not for like data integrity purposes. He's not wrong. He's not wrong that in this case, he was kind of being penalized for having too much testing. And we've created perverted incentives for our elected politicians. And so is it his fault? I don't know. Yes, ultimately, it's somewhat his fault. It's also somewhat the fault of this fucked up system that we have. So that being said, South Africa. So what basically the, the question then is like, is there enough testing? So the United Kingdom, I don't know if the United Kingdom actually leads the world in testing, but I know that they're like they're substantially ahead of the United States. The United States has been a, a leader in testing in the world on overall tests. But right now, since the intersection point was December 2nd, 20, no, December 22nd, 2020, the United Kingdom overtook the United States in per capita testing and has never looked back. They've always been since then. They've always been ahead of the United States in per capita testing, including as of, come on, baby, give me the, so December 15th, the United States, well, let's go to December, December 10th is the last day there's, is that right now? No, wait, maybe I can do it on the U.S. one. Okay, so December 13th was the last day there's data for both the United States and the United Kingdom, and the United States is averaging about four tests per thousand people each day, seven-day rolling average. Uh the United Kingdom is averaging 18 tests per thousand people. So on a per capita basis, they are testing four times as many people. Uh, South Africa, by contrast, as of December 15th, was testing 1.25 per thousand people. So 18 times fewer than the United Kingdom. So you would expect the United Kingdom to have more cases. They have more cases, okay? The the South Africa, here's a, another function of this is and again not a perfect measure because this is this is reliant on do you remember in the early days of testing that uh we had super high positivity rates but part of the reason was that like they would talk about cases and we'd be like well of course uh cases are low because we have very few tests and it was so hard to get a test you had to have like i remember i think in washington state where i live you had to you had to get um uh, you had to have like two observable symptoms like a cough and a, a high fever and like i even think they were like a hundred degree fever not good enough we need 102 and up it was very difficult to get a test so once you've selected for people who have two observable symptoms of covid the test the positivity rate was very high i think in new york it was like 
25% or 37 or something like this, like what's going on in South Africa now where testing isn't as robust. And so we are seeing uh, South Africa has a 30% positivity rate. They also, to clarify, have... So the South Africa has a 20, about a 26% vaccination rate. For a while, the United States was ahead of the United Kingdom. That actually shifted. The The UK pulled ahead uh, June 28th or 29th, uh, 2021. The United Kingdom pulled ahead. And right now, the UK has a 68.86% vaccination rate. The United States has about a 61% vaccination rate both substantially ahead of South Africa. Okay, so that's all to tell you that South Africa has less tests. They probably aren't catching every positive case because they have less tests. Uh, oh, the other thing that happened in the United States and the U United Kingdom, and the United States might be slightly different than the UK, but in the United States, rapid tests became available. So for me, I know that I've taken, I mean, truly now like 25 rapid tests in the last couple months after every time I come off the road, I take two tests spread out by a couple days. Um, if I do like a weekend of comedy, not on the road, uh, if I'm in a crowd, like after Thanksgiving, I did a whole bunch of tests obviously. And then after, uh, so I've taken a lot of these rapid tests. I haven't reported every one of these tests to the County or whatever, whoever you report them to. So these are tests that are not on that record, but uh, again, we're, so that I'm just trying to get to the point where we learn, we, we talk about like, so South Africa has all these things working against it. They have, a their tests are, so deaths are kind of an absolute. That's a, that's the other part of this. Statistically, when you don't have enough testing, the, the best measure of your performance is deaths because you can't argue with deaths. They happen. Yeah. I know there's like the, the conspiratorial argument that people are getting uh you know they have gangrene in their foot from uh or they die of frostbite but that's labeled a covid death um i've never seen any of that quantified i've never seen a credible person make that argument and i've never seen like a what I, what i've also never seen is like someone go you know this data source is wrong. The real data source is this and have it be anything that is worth a shit. I am sure there are error bars on, you know, what do we have? Like almost like 900,000 deaths in this country. I'm sure some of those are improperly diagnosed as COVID deaths for sure. And I'm sure some have been missed. Also, there's always noise in a data set that big. And that has that many data sources, right? We're talking about, like county reporting from 50 states is what's feeding this. Of course, there's going to be some some variability. Now, South Africa has a very high positivity rate. So, you, oh, so the United Kingdom has this super high high uh, testing rate. Let's talk about their positivity rate. Their positivity rate is about five percent. It's it's it got very low at one point in uh, in April. It was like zero point two five percent of the tests that were being taken were positive. Now they're hovering, and for since uh, since July they've been hovering right around five percent for between three and five percent. 
the United States has been between with less tests has been between 10 and between five and 10%. We're back. We're going back up to 10%. And some of that's probably got to do with the, the lag between the variant data and Omicron actually starting to take over the United States cases. Um, South Africa was at about 1% in November. Uh, last July, they were around 30%. I think it's important also to recognize that South Africa is not in their, um, what you would expect to be their high COVID season. It's winter in the United States states, which means it's summer in South Africa. So this super high positivity rate again, speaks to what looks like a very transmissible variant. Okay. So South Africa probably missing some of their positive cases. So artificially suppressing the denominator in the stat that I think is important and what we're ultimately getting to, which is called the case fatality rate, which is if you get this illness, how likely are you to die from it? If a person, not just you, but if a person gets this illness, irrespective of age, whatever, because this is, it just, it's the data is not that granular for this, but if a person gets this variant or gets COVID, how likely are they to die? Because that's a lot of this stuff is all like kind of a proxy for we're like, well, if, if we get this many hospitalizations, we know that will lead to this many deaths. If, if the hospitals get packed, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's talk about this because this, I think is where there's a lot of cause for optimism. South Africa's cases are flying up. They don't have the testing infrastructure to catch every case. There's undoubtedly probably twice or more as many cases out there. If you were to test everybody in that country, what would the positivity rate be? They're not testing everybody. They're testing a, a relatively small sample of people. So case fatality rate, you would expect with this, this virus in this place where we don't know the, there's that we don't know about every case. We believe that to be true. The United Kingdom, where they are testing four and a half times as many people as the United States, has a case fatality rate that is 0.27%. Um, let's see, actually, as of the most recent, there's 0.23%. Also, as of the last uh, input, the United Kingdom had more Omicron than the United States, a higher percentage of Omicron. The United States has a one, this is a, by the way, again, a, a seven day rolling average. Um, the United States has a 1.08 uh, case fatality rate, meaning 1%, 1.1% of people who get COVID in the United States have a verified case in the United States die of COVID. In England, in the United Kingdom, it is, uh, is that England? I actually don't even know. This is where my, 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 uh, authority on any of this really falls apart is I don't actually know if the United Kingdom, I thought it was always all England, but I guess it's more places. Ireland is part of the United Kingdom somehow. We don't think of that. UK means England to me. Anyway, 
UK with the super high testing rate, the largest denominator of uh, cases because they're testing for the most people. The United Kingdom is at 0.23% and South Africa is at 0.24%. That's tremendously encouraging because this, this means, so like, The, again, deaths are absolute. So this means that this this we could be looking at the data suggests that we could be looking at a thing that has a death rate that is comparable to, or even less than, the flu. These are early indicators, so take them with a grain of salt, and of course you know try not to get COVID or whatever. But this thing that's like super transmissible, it's going around the vaccine, it's getting people who are three times vaccinated. It's getting people who are even being careful, all that stuff. That, it's like a, like a, that's almost like a forced vaccination for conservatives, to be honest with you. And what we want, if you're not a person who just wants a pound of flesh out of everyone that disagrees with you, what you want is for everybody to become immune and not die. That's what you actually want. Does this mean that conservatives were right about the vaccine? We don't know. I mean, deaths could be at 1.1 million if we didn't have the vaccine. I don't know. Divorce yourself from that. Divorce yourself from this, like, right, wrong, my side thing, and just realize that a very good thing, the best thing would be if we could, in this fantasy world where you could eradicate COVID, but that's not going to happen. The next best thing is a very weak version of it comes out. And by the way, this is my, again, my understanding, but these viruses don't want to kill you. Like they're, they also don't have sentience. I get that. Like that doesn't want, it doesn't have actual wants, but the evolution of viruses is typically not to kill their hosts because that makes it a lot harder to continue to spread to other hosts. The evolution and why, as I understand it again, me, not a virologist, not an immunologist. The reason they get weaker isn't because like they run out of steam. It's because it makes it easier for them to survive. They get more transmissible, less lethal. And that's kind of, I think, why these, these viruses that like, it's just going to disappear. It might just disappear in the whatever. That's why it's not, that's, a, that's like shitty language. That's like a dumb guy, Donald Trump. Uh, not, a, I actually don't think he's a dumb guy, by the way. Uh, don't, don't get all mad at me. I've had arguments with my friends about that. I don't think he's a dumb guy, but I don't think he's very well informed on, and he also has less excuse than anyone because he had more resources to educate himself than anybody in the world. But an ignorant guy about this. Uh, using language that's magical. It's magical thinking. This thing's just going to disappear. It's it's you know whatever. Blah 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 blah. It's uh. This is how these things kind of peter out. This could be great news. There's there's, in fact, like the the. Ultimately, if people aren't dying or ending up in the hospital, and that's the other thing. It's not like the the. It's not like what this thing does. The way these work is that 
Delta killed whatever percentage of people and Omicron still brings that amount of people to death's door, but just doesn't go through that door. Less severe symptoms lead to less severe death. Less severe symptoms lead to less hospitalizations, hospitalizations theoretically. And so this is like, I would say, I mean, listen, there's probably going to be cities that lock down in the United States. I'm hoping, I'm looking at my comedy calendar, and if it was going to happen, I'd say, like, we could do February as a little light. That would be the time to lock down for me personally. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want comedy dates to get canceled. I don't want, nor do I think it would be valuable for my region to lock down or for many places to lock down. I don't think we're at a point where we know enough about this to have like chicken pox parties and everybody gets this kind of low grade, um, this low grade COVID. We don't know enough about it yet, but I do feel encouraged that like my wife and mom, I think there's a decent chance they got Omicron. There's also, by the way, if, if the symptoms are so weak, there's probably people who aren't going to get tested at all that had it. That aren't even going to, I mean, the, the, like I'd said, my daughter had it. My daughter had not a single symptom. Um, also I never tested positive, which makes me wonder if I had it at some point and didn't know. So anyway, I uh, don't. I mean, I don't want to be like a conspiracy theorist about this, like still take precaution. There is a lot that we don't know. Um, I'm not like, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't, I, I do think like the, the old Fouch, old Fouch doesn't look great uh, these days, but I don't think that the like a hundred percent of the, the suggestions from the world, the WHO and the CDC and the whatever the whatever acronym that dickhead works for, uh, I don't think they're all bullshit. So, you know, whatever. Do your uh, <laughs> be be cautious. You know, it seems like uh, being vaccinated is still helping. There's still substantially uh, better outcomes for vaccinated people. It doesn't seem like it's doing as good a job of stopping transmission here. But like I said, my, uh, my wife was positive. She tested positive for like three or four days, symptoms for three or four days. My mom who has many, many risk factors tested positive for, uh, I guess she tested negative two days ago. So it's Sunday as I'm recording this. So she tested positive for five days. She's feeling good today. You know, again, knock on wood, uh, that, that uh, or as Italians say, knock wood. <laughs> I think I learned that from uh, Paul Verzi when I worked with him in Oklahoma City. Knock wood. He's a very like uh, ritual based guy. A lot of God blesses. A lot of you know. Um. Anyway, I think this is this is good news. So come out to see me perform. <laughs> <laughs> feel safe to come out and see me perform. I'm working on something in Seattle, working on something in Portland. Uh, there'll be 2022 for sure. Uh, my next big weekend is New Year's Eve, 
Fort Wayne, Indiana at Summit City Comedy Club with Steve Renazisi. Um, I will be at uh, North Bend Theater with Gabriel Rutledge, January 21st. Happy Hour Comedy in Olympia, Washington at a... Oh, man, I still forgot the venue. But it's I think it's called Happy Hour Comedy. Uh, just me, by the way. It's just me. The host is uh, the guy that produces the show. And then I am the comedian for the night. And I will not be, per his request, I will not be telling the ass-eating joke that night. I'm sorry if that's what you were coming out for. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of shit coming up February 4th and 5th. I'll be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where COVID never happened. Uh, hopefully everyone in Coeur d'Alene has gotten and recovered from Omicron by the time I get there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow me at the Casey McLean. Send a voicemail at 253-237-3217. I'll read it or I'll listen to it next episode. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.